Short of winning a championship, that was the most enjoyable fantasy week in my life. Chet Davis here with What the Fantasy, joined by Tom Gozlowski of 104.5 The Team. Give him a follow at T-O-M-G-O-Z-Z. Kyle Ray of the Fame Nutter Butters. Follow Ray Ray at Ray Ray 8134. Give the podcast a follow at What the Underscore Fantasy. Boys, I'm on cloud nine still. It is Tuesday. We are getting ready for week eight, but I am still basking in the glory of week seven. I am in three fantasy leagues. The combined records of my opponents, 16 and two. I was playing the first place teams in all of my leagues. Your boy went three and oh. Yeah. Yeah. Projected to lose in all three leagues. I'm glad somebody can enjoy this. Yeah, two of those wins were against Kyle. It was <laughs> one of those, like, I don't know if Kyle can be that mad because his teams just did not it, – it wasn't tough. So, like, they were over by the 1 o'clock games, and it was not his fault. But why I'm so happy, it's not the win I had over Kyle. It's the win I had in our favorite dynasty league facing an undefeated 6-0 and team. I went into Sunday night football down by 48 points. His team was done. They were finished. They had spanked me with Deontay Johnson and Terry McLaurin and Carson Wentz. I, I, I thought it was over. It's one of those you joke with your buddies. I had Chris Carson, and I had Tyler Lockett. And I said, hey, man, maybe they'll put up 50. You never know. Well, Tyler Lockett almost put up 50 by himself. 15 catches, 200 yards, and three touchdowns. Absolutely unfrickin' believable. And I did not get the win, which, by the way, was on my birthday morning. Happy birthday, Chet. You did Thank it. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. It was the best birthday present I've ever received in my life. Hopefully Cameron's not listening to this. But I got the win on his final reception in overtime following the missed field goal by Gonzalez. Think about that for a sec. If Zane Gonzalez makes a very makeable field goal, I lose by decimals. But he misses the kick, which allows Russell to complete two more passes to Tyler Lockett, and I pull off the victory. Again, short of a championship, that is the best fantasy football feeling I will probably ever have. It's so sweet. Oh, it feels so good. The improbable, the unbelievable. Sometimes in this podcast, I always talk about how much we sometimes hate fantasy football because things go the wrong way. We do the right research and everything else. Oh, but that's so satisfying when it goes the right way. And this is why we love playing every season. And Kyle heard me complaining nonstop because I needed Lockett to play like he did. And all I needed was Chris Carson to stay healthy. Chris Carson leaves that game. We'll get more into that injury in the, on the waiver wire section. But with Chris Carson leaving with an injury and only getting four points and change, after the second Lockett touchdown, I was like, Kyle, all I needed was Carson to play nor- a normal game, and I win. And still, somehow, for Lockett, I mean, that is, that's a line we'll never see again this season. 15 for 203 touchdowns. For a guy who was coming off – a bye week, but prior to that had two subpar performances as DK Metcalf became the guy in Seattle. I think we just confirmed there were two very, very successful wide receivers in Seattle 
you're playing DK, you're playing Lockett every week. Yep, I have to agree. The other crazy part is, <clears throat> Chet, you kind of talked about like how we won't see it again this season. We sat there and just watched Devontae Adams go off as well. So you're telling me two wide receivers just go absolutely bonkers in one week, and they, and they probably ruined so many people's games this week. I would love to see the percentage of games that were decided because of that Seattle game. Because on the flip side, Kyler Murray also put up a ridiculous amount of points. So you might have felt pretty confident going into Sunday Night Football, and then you either went to bed pissed off or woke up very confused of what went wrong. (laughs) Because there was so many big numbers were put up in that game. Uh, Moving on as we look forward to Week 8. Here's a segment I want to try. Uh, hold them or fold them. So these are guys who have disappointed to this point. You're more – we're past the halfway point of the regular season for fantasy football. We're on the second half of the season. You're either feeling confident about your team or you're looking at your roster and saying, I got to shake things up. You're probably already getting through some of your bye weeks. I want to start off with, in my opinion, I've never been more wrong, I don't think, when it comes to fantasy football thinking a guy was going to be successful, be a household name as a rookie, Cam Akers. Do you hold on to Cam Akers, or are you okay dumping him from your team? He is currently RB88. Zero touches in back-to-back games, as it's been all Malcolm Brown and all Daryl Henderson in L.A. I still think he's the most talented running back for the Rams, but – I don't know what he did wrong. He did have a minor injury a few weeks ago. He had a rib injury that forced him to miss a game. But he's been healthy the last two weeks. He's gotten on the field for a couple snaps. But, again, no touches for the rookie out of Florida State. I love how this conversation is happening after the Tyler Lockett conversation because it's a classic good football player versus good fantasy player. I think for years, I remember doing this before, arguing, like, I don't know if Tyler Lockett's a top 20 wide receiver. All of a sudden, that's changed. And his fantasy values changed. But is DK Metcalf a better wide receiver? We're all not going to argue that Cam Akers is a bad football player. He's not. He's really good. I would put him on a football roster. I'd want him on my team. But he's off of rosters now. And I know we're talking about trading him. I don't even know why to even make a move for a trade. He's got to get dumped off your roster. Fold him. Send him off. It's all over for Cam Akers fantasy-wise. Unless an injury happens for the Rams. Yeah, I totally agree. And the crazy part that I hate about it is that – I sat there. I think I grabbed him in the fourth round in two of my leagues. And I and one of them was, I believe I have him in Dynasty. I can't remember. Maybe you have him, Chet. I have him in but, Dynasty, which is a different conversation. You can't, even, you can't even keep him now. You can't even – you have nothing to do with him. I agree with Gaz. I think he's dumped now. Yeah, what Gaz said at the end of his point about he is an injury away from becoming the guy again. But are you really going to hold out for that? Are you – I know – Henderson's had some injury history in his young career already. But, again, are you just going to wait for that moment? If, if that backfield stays healthy, I, none of them are going to really become household names. Henderson, to me, is the most fantasy-relevant one out of them all because he's a little more versatile. I think he's the better back compared to Malcolm Brown. But, yeah, I'm with you, Kyle. I drafted him way too early. I thought it made sense that he was going to be the replacement to Todd Gurley. But he's not even in the committee at this point. He's not even at the table. It, it's a two-headed monster for L.A. right now. And, again, as we head into week eight, 
I, I don't really – I can't make a valid claim for you to hold on. I know the running back position, it, it's thin always in fantasy football. So you, you like guys that have talent. You're going to kick yourself if there is an injury and he becomes the guy, you know, for a playoff run. But I don't know if you can hold on to this point. So I'm with you guys. If you want to cut Cam Akers, I can't blame you. Here's a little different one. Devin Singletary. Currently RB29. Combined 10.7 points in half PPR the last two weeks. Again, combined 10 points. He had eight rushes for 29 yards against the Jets. One of the worst defenses in football. If you ever thought he was going to have a breakout game, it would have been against the Jets. Zach Moss is still is now there and still getting touches. What do you do with Devin Singletary? Are you holding on or are you okay cutting Devin Singletary? I still think Singletary is in the hold on category just because he is the guy there. I just don't know when you start him. I feel like he's in a similar situation to like a James White where you need that bi-week replacement. If you can buy him low, like I said, great bi-week replacement. He has the potential, but that, that Bill's line is has generates zero run opportunities for them. So I don't think he's cut cuttable yet. Uh, I think Devin's taking over the backfield over Zach Moss. I think Zach had like two uh, full drives, but um, I still think you hold on to him. I don't think you cut him right yet. Yeah, this one's a little bit more difficult. I'm with Kyle that I think you should keep him because I feel like it's the old floor and ceiling discussion here, right? The, the ceiling is much higher for Devin Singletary because the touches could come eventually. Maybe he can still vault or some touchdowns for you if you start getting some red zone touches like you would hope as a fantasy manager. I would hang on to him. But if you've got a deep team, like you've got three running backs and a good tight end, maybe a second tight end, he can definitely start to come out of your lineup if you've got a strong team. He doesn't always have to start now week to week. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I think it's very similar to New England where the, running, the best running back for Buffalo is Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. Um, does he lead the team in rushing, Kyle, as the Buffalo Bills expert slash fan? I believe he does, again. Yeah, so it's the same thing with New England, where Cam Newton is the most valuable running back for that team. Yeah, I, I, I don't think you can cut him because there is some potential there still. He's, he needs to stay on your bench is how I look at it now. Maybe, you, again, I started him against the Jets because I thought this is the week he would do it. I think you need to see it. You need to see him have an 80-plus rushing yards, get a touchdown game before you have any confidence to put him back in your starting lineup. So stash him on your bench, maybe try to sell him if someone really needs a running back and they are desperate, but otherwise keep him on your starting lineup. Correction. Josh is not the leading rusher. Devin has him by 95 yards. Wow. I would have guessed he was wrong on a trivia question, which by the way, there will be a trivia question to end this episode. Um, Not again. Oh, the competitiveness. It's a great one. It's a great one. Okay. Two more, hold them or fold them. Julian Edelman, currently wide receiver 59. And I will read you his point totals from the last four weeks. This is half point PPR for Julian Edelman. 3.2, 5, 3.3, 1.8. That's horrendous. So what do you start with Edelman as the QB concern in New England is highest that it's ever been in the last 20 years? 
I'm starting to realize why some of my teams aren't as good as I think they are. Reading Singletary and Edelman on back-to-back, uh, get rid of them or keep them. I would, boy, the Edelman one's the toughest of the three so far. I feel like if the Patriots are going to be contenders in the AFC East, and they still are in contention with Buffalo and Miami has had a nice season, they need Edelman. Because if they don't have Edelman, who seriously is the offense in New England? I get it, like you said, Cam, about the uh, – I almost called you Cam because I was thinking of Chet, but like we already mentioned Cam on the podcast. Like, if it's not Cam Newton, how are they going to actually move the ball? Edelman has to be a contributor somehow. I feel like Edelman might get you better points in November and December than the rest of maybe the next three weeks. Like, he might be better in playoff time. I would keep him for the sake of the team getting better, you would think, looking back on history. Yeah, I'm actually on the upside. I think you dump him. I'm just not – I don't see anything that's going to change in that New England offense. Cam looked strong the first couple of weeks, but I think it was because he could get it going with his legs. But recently, with them taking away Cam's legs and forcing him to throw and make accurate throws, Cam has just looked pretty rough um, throwing the ball. And people are containing him really well. So I don't see any uh, New England Patriot that I would keep on offense. And Julian Edelman is no exception to that rule. So that includes Cam Newton. You would not keep Cam Newton? I roster Cam Newton for my backup quarterback only as soon as I don't have a need for him. He's gone. Yeah. I started Cam Newton in two leagues this week, and I lost both. Not shocking. Uh, it's going to be tough to find. I, I think it was two weeks ago on the podcast we talked about streaming quarterbacks. That is more and more real of an option for me after losses of like Dak Prescott and other guys this season. Mm-hmm. That's one of those tough ones where it's amazing how quickly things can change. One of you guys mentioned, I mean – he was a rock star in real football and fantasy football the first few weeks of the season, and now complete 180. We're now we're talking about, you know, it's a real conversation. Is Jared Stidham going to take over New Winland? I don't think it's going to happen. I know Cam Newton admitted that in a radio interview that his job is not completely safe. He has to say that because he hasn't played like a starting quarterback. I just can't imagine that they would bench him to start a game. They benched him mid-game against the Niners. But I think it's Cam Newton will continue to be the starter until he keeps doing what he's doing. One of my favorite things to point out in sports, and we always get caught up in this, is that because one player is playing poorly, that means the backup got better. Like, that's, that's not real. Like, fans want to believe that, that, oh, because Cam Newton's now playing poorly, Jared Stidham's going to – he also stinks. Like, Stidham has not done anything in his career to earn that spot. Brian Hoyer looked like he should have been cut from the NFL. That's what's also saving Cam is that, just because he's playing poorly didn't make Stidham better all of a sudden. He's also not very good. Yeah, like if, if Stidham had come in and thrown a late touchdown, a garbage-time touchdown against the Niners, sure. It'd be a more realistic conversation of like, hey, at least Stidham moved the ball. No, he sucked just as bad as Newton did. So, Kyle, how much do you enjoy this? I think the Patriots are off to their worst start since 2000. Very happy about it, obviously. Um, <laughs> however, there's still our own demons in Buffalo. So sure. I've actually been very good about talking smack about the Bills over the last couple of weeks just because the offense hasn't looked the same and the defense has been rough. So I'm holding reservation, but uh, we'll see what brings it, what this week brings. you got to watch out for two a time in Miami as we get ready for that. Uh, one more hold them or fold them. I think this one might be the easiest of the four. Michael Gallup. What's your gut reaction? I'll give you guys some numbers. Gut reaction is you cut him because that Dallas offense. Oh, shoot. Yeah, he's gone. I forgot Dalton. Um, <laughs> that, yeah. Yeah, see ya. 
That offense has not looked anywhere near the same without Dak. Zeke is struggling mightily. CeeDee Lamb threw up a dud. Yeah, I think you're there. that offense is in consideration for who do you start on that offense. You have to start Zeke. I still feel like you have to start Zeke regardless. But do you start any wide receivers on that team? I don't think you do. I'll go even I'll go further with Kyle because I totally agree, and I'm going to ask you answer Chet's question with a question. Do you try to trade everybody who's on the Cowboys if you have them on your roster? Like I know we've talked a lot about Zeke, and I know Kyle, you really like Zeke, but don't you consider taking offers on everybody? Yes. Cooper, C.D. Lamb, Zeke, like Dalton Schultz put up a few you know single digit games, but maybe he's got potential for you know streaming situations with tight ends if you really are deep on some. Like if you've got a Cowboy, everybody's got to go. If he's on, like, trade everybody if they're on that Dell's offense. That's how bad that team is. The only issue is I think if you could trick somebody with, like, the name recognition of Zeke and you could still get a respectable trade, I just don't know what you're going to get, you know, where it is an all-time low for that offense and Zeke had a rough game, so it's not even like you could convince somebody of, hey, he fell into the end zone once and it was a double-digit game. He had one of his worst outings. So you have to try. But I don't know. You can't just let Zeke walk from your team. I mean, that was your first-round pick. You probably got him in the top three of the first round. He's still going to get touches. And, yes, the offensive line has got all sorts of problems. I don't even – I'm not even going to look it up. I don't even know who the backup is. All I know is he played for James Madison, the backup who's going to take – well, the backup to the backup who's now going to take over for Andy Dalton. Ben DiNucci? There it is, (laughs) DiNucci. I think Andy Dalton's still trying to figure out what day of the week it is. But back to Gallup, I mean, dude, he was catchless. Catchless. Let's, or, ooh, I almost said the name. Catchless against the Washington football team. He's had one game over 10 points. So, yeah, I think we all think he's a, a super talented athlete. He just hasn't been able to put it together. And now without Dak Prescott running what could have been the best passing offense in football, you just worry about, a, the targets, B, if they're good targets, and that offense in general being able to move the football. So to answer all those questions, I think Zeke is still a startable guy. I would still consider starting Amari Cooper because of garbage time, where he still is clearly wide receiver one. I think he still put up a pretty good week against, against Washington. Um, as long as he's healthy, I still think you have confidence starting him because they're going to have to keep throwing the football a lot. Uh, so you hope that he gets, you know, 10-plus targets a game. Everyone else, you, you either – you're cutting guys like Michael Gallup. You're probably benching CeeDee Lamb until the quarterback position gets figured out. And who saw that coming, man? I mean, that offense looked so good the first three weeks, and now it's just – I mean, that's a dumpster fire. What, my coworker at, at CBS6, he asked me, you know, rank the NFC East, just in terms of ranking the teams. And I'm curious what you guys think. This is my list. I put Eagles one. I put Washington two, Giants three, Cowboys four. I had the only difference I had is just <laughs> you might laugh at this, but I actually had Washington as one. Um, I, I thought about it. I really that that's the best defense in the in the division by far. By yeah. far. Yeah, I think that's actually – you can make an argument that Washington somehow is the best team. Ron Rivera, give him credit, man. I mean, he's making it work. Uh, I don't disagree with your rankings, Chet, because here's the tough part about this. Usually it's kind of simpler where it's, okay, if this team beat that team and they have the same record, 
I would give the favor to the sure. team that beats the other team with the same record because that's you know basically the tiebreaker. Because Washington beat Philly this season, but then the Giants lost to Dallas this season. But what's made it tough about the NFC East is that week-to-week stuff changes. Like, we are down to a third-string quarterback on Dallas. Kyle Allen's the quarterback in Washington. The Giants don't have Saquon Barkley. So week-to-week, as bad as it is, it seems as if the rankings are changing, not because, again, the teams are getting better, but the teams are getting worse. It's amazing to think that's all changing. I think you bring up injuries, and I think the reason I put Philly at one, Carson Wentz is starting to play some of his best football again, and his weapons will come back. Like, Saquon Barkley is not coming back this year. Uh, At least Miles Sanders will likely get healthy. The ghost of Alshon Jeffrey might make an appearance in Philly. Uh, I know Deshaun Jackson came back for one game and got hurt again, but at least they have a chance to get healthier as the season goes, and it's only going to take, what, seven wins? To win that division, maybe you have to get eight. But, uh, yeah, what an absolute horrendous division. Really tough to watch. Um, I, think we, I think we have to watch the Giants on Monday night this week, don't we? And you can listen to them on 104.5, the team against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. <laughs> well done for guys on 104.5, the team. Um, by the way, as we're recording this at 12.20 on a Tuesday – uh, Christian McCaffrey has been designated to return from IR. He started his practice with a red jersey, but he has since taken it off, and he's wearing a regular jersey at Panthers practice. It, he's, it, it sucks, and I, I'm sure fantasy managers are very frustrated that the week that he's now coming off IR, the Panthers play on a Thursday. Oh. If this game's on a Sunday, that might be the difference between Christian playing or not playing. But at least there is a light at the end of the tunnel. It looks like CMC is either going to return this week or looks like the week after. So there's that. There's a nice little update for you on the injury front. Um, that's it for my Foldem or Foldem. I think Gaz has a couple more uh, Real or Mirage. Oh, actually, before we get to Real or Mirage, let's do a quick run through a waiver wire. Um, Another week where as, as good as the football was, there were some injuries. Um, the OBJ injury. Uh, Carson. Oh, why can't I almost said Carson Wentz. Um, why am I drawing a blank on Carson? Chris Carson, because his last name's Carson. That's, <laughs> that's why I couldn't think of the other name. Chris Carson, Carson Daly, I think it is. I think it's Carson Daly. Uh, Jeff Wilson, who had an unbelievable game for the 49ers, it kind of out of nowhere. He got injured. Um, so let's just run through it real quick. Uh, some waiver wire names that you might see out there. Carlos Hyde, going back to the Seattle situation. Uh, if Chris Carson does have to miss time, where it looks like he's going to be out this week, you have Carlos Hyde. But Carlos Hyde is, is banged up. He suffered a hamstring injury against the Cardinals in that wild Sunday night game. Travis Homer, another backup, he got injured in that game. So the entire backfield is banged up for the Seahawks. The healthiest one is a rookie, DJ Dallas which is an awesome name. That sounds like a, a Madden-created football name. Um, what do you guys think about the Seattle situation? Do you have any confidence in those backups? If Chris Carson does have to miss, do you feel confident playing any of those guys? Man, Seattle is a tough team to figure out offensively when we talk about these guys as backups because wasn't it just years ago that they thought the answer in the backfield was going to be Rashad Penny? Remember that where he was a first-round pick out of San Diego State? They thought he was going to be the guy. Remember years ago before 
that. They thought the answer was going to be Matt Flynn at quarterback over Russell Wilson. It's as if Seattle doesn't ever want to play the backups. Like, oh, shoot, we do have to put the backup in that. Oh, crap, he was better. I feel like that organization struggles to figure out exactly who should be on the field. But they win, and they get kind of covered by the winning. So I'm very cautious about those. I am not running to the waiver wire and bidding high on those backups. I agree, um, especially because it's looking like the Carson maybe a one- or two-week injury. And guess what? Don't waste your waiver wire on a one or two unless you're absolutely desperate. That's my advice. Um, not worth it. There's other people out there. Yeah, and that's how I look at it as well. And usually you find a situation where you have a good running game, and that – like, look, let's look at the Vikings. When Cook got hurt, it was a no-brainer to start Alexander Madison, even though it didn't really work out. With this situation, why would you feel confident about a guy that's also injured with a hamstring? I mean, hamstrings as a, for a running back, for any skill position in football, that's a huge red flag. Because what if you start Carlos Hyde, he tweaks that hamstring, and you're stuck with a zero. You know, yep. So I don't know if you have any confidence with an entire backfield that's injured. DJ Dallas could be the number one back going into this week. We don't know. So I'll probably stay away from that one. Uh, for the 49ers, Jamichael Hasty. One of my favorite names in football. He now looks like he's running back two, maybe one B with Jarek McKinnon still in the backfield, even though McKinnon kind of got an off week or he didn't really play that much for San Francisco. But with the injuries in that backfield, do you like Jermichael Hasey this week? How do you not? My only point with that is how do you not like San Francisco running backs? That's, that's the crazy part. Um, I think it's similar to the Carlos Hyde situation um, where you got to be careful. I think if you take him, you need to be in a really rough spot from a running back standpoint. Um, so I'm kind of indifferent on it. I'm not going to touch it just because there's Derek McKinnon still there. Um, and like you said, he was essentially off last week to, to continue to rest up. But um, I'm going to stay away from it, I would think. I already know this is going to sound stupid when I'm going to say, but I'm going to say it anyways. Uh, there's a lot of managers maybe in your fantasy football leagues that don't draft certain players from certain teams because they like an NFL team. Like, I don't know if Kyle does this. I know other Bills fans and leagues that I'm in, some Bills fans won't draft Patriot players because they don't want to root for the Patriots. I have now hit a point where I think I'm done ever having 49ers on my team because I had Jarek McKinnon in my lineup this week because I told you guys last week, I think it makes too, too much sense. Like, he got hurt. He's got an opportunity to be the guy, and he put up a freaking donut for me in my lineup because I can't figure out San Francisco. George Kittle's got hurt. Debo Samuel's got hurt. People think Garoppolo puts up good stats because they win. He really doesn't put up that many great stats. I don't want to touch the 49ers anymore. Kittle's the only one I maybe want on a team, right. but sometimes he's not healthy for me, and I feel like even though he's the number two or three tight end, sometimes tight end 11 or 13 can get you enough points on a weekly basis. I'm done with the 49ers, all of them. Montana. Jerry Rice, T.O., I'm done with all of them. <laughs> I think for Hasty, I would, I would take a flyer. If you needed a running back this week, he might be the best one you can find on the waiver wire. Uh, I mean, look, just look what Jeff Wilson did. Jeff Wilson had three rushing touchdowns and had a monster week. Uh, like Kyle said, they want McKinnon for the, you know, for the stretch run and for the playoffs. And so if they're not going to give him all the carries, you're looking at Jermichael Hasty getting 10 to 15 touches with the, uh, with the chance of scoring some touchdowns. So I think it's a viable option if you need help, if you have bye weeks, or if you have any. So, for instance, if you have Chris Carson injured, I'd prefer Jermichael Hasty 
instead of getting a Carlos Hyde. You know what I mean? Like, if you don't handcuff, if you haven't handcuffed Chris Carson, I prefer the hasty backup play compared to anybody else in Seattle. Uh, a few more waiver wire ads. Uh, Kyle mentioned one in our very quick pre-show meeting. Nelson Aguilar. Uh, Eagles fans might be rolling their eyes as they see, they see the success that Aguilar is having with his new team in Vegas. The guy has touchdowns in three consecutive games. He's got four on the season. He's becoming a favorite target deep for, uh, for Carr. What do you guys think? Nelson Aguilar having a, a reborn career with the Raiders. Yes. Love it. Fantastic pickup. Get him. Love Nelson Aguilar. So he, he, Why not? Pick up and play guy for you, maybe in your flex. Totally, because I feel like Henry Ruggs is still a long threat. Like, look, Ruggs could get you two catches for 95 yards and a touchdown. You're like, wow, he had a great week, but he had two catches because he's got so much speed. Uh, Darren Waller might be the red zone target. Boy, if I get consistent scoring in my lineup, I feel like Nelson Aguilar might be able to do that for the future. I like it. I think I'd definitely pick him up. Yeah, I like I told you, Chet, Nelson Aguilar is my number one waiver wire ad this week. Um, in a lot of in a lot of ways, uh, look at his schedule. A couple games that he's got on his schedule still slated as we come down the stretch. You got a game against Cleveland, a tough game against the Chargers. Then you got Denver, KC, Atlanta, Jets, Indy. Those should be your your playoff stretch right there. All or should be all those games should be high volume passing games. Uh, so it gives Aguilar that that opportunity. And you can't deny that Carr is looking for him often. So I he is he's the top on my waiver wire. Add nine targets last week. Um, I believe that was a season high. I'm <laughs> hurts me to say I'm sold on Aguilar for a waiver wire ad this week. I never thought we would hear that sentence on the What the Fantasy podcast. I agree. I'm in too. I'm in too. If you know we were just talking about Julian Edelman, I would prefer Nelson Aguilar to Julian Edelman, and I would also prefer. Cole Beasley to Julian Edelman, another guy in the waiver wire with John Brown, who he could have been on my Hold'em or Fold'em list, Uh, a guy that's experienced some injuries, had a great start to the season with uh, numerous touchdowns. But with him banged up, Cole Beasley has become that over-the-middle slot guy that Josh Allen's been dumping it off to frequently. What do you guys think? Cole Beasley, does he have some, some fantasy relevance you might feel confident putting him in your lineup? Yeah, definitely love the relevance that he's got. Averaging 12 yards a catch, you see him multiple times just getting those dunk plays that Allen's been loving. Um, the only thing that's going to hinder you is, like you said, when John Brown comes back, his production will go down ultimately. Um, and at the same time, do not expect a high ceiling from Beasley. If you need a 15-point game, do not play Cole. If you are looking for that flex option for 10, 11 points, you've got a great shot of getting in with Cole because he's going to get you five, six catches a game for 75, 80 yards. So depending on your format, uh, it could be – I think he's going to be tight between 10 and 12 points a game, somewhere in that range. And then if you get lucky with him getting a uh, quick little touchdown grab, more power to you. Real quick, you bring up a great point. Based on what league you're in, he, his lowest value is in standard. It goes up with half point. If you're in full point PPR – that is where Cole Beasley will be the most effective for your team because he will be in that six-catch range. The touchdowns, it's a question mark. Like, he's not going to find the end zone every week. So he's a guy, he might have high-volume receptions that can get you some good points. Cool. You know, I agree. He loves it. I like it. Last one, what do we think about Rashard Higgins in Cleveland? OBJ, done for the year, second 
career or it's not career ending season ending injury that OBJ has suffered in his career. Uh, so now you look at your Jarvis Landry, his stock has gone up for Cleveland, uh, maybe Austin Hooper, but also Rashard Higgins who filled in nicely for the rest of that game against Cincinnati. Rashard Higgins, a name that, I mean, he's probably available in 99% of leagues. There's now some opportunity there where he might get some volume for the Browns. Yeah, I feel better about Landry because he's mostly probably going to be on your roster. Anyway, going forward, Higgins is probably the best-case scenario. Uh, man, I feel like there's a lot of uncertainty on the Browns, though, too. I feel good about Higgins, but there's someone else I like from the Browns that I'm going to save for our Mirage's take that I think really has huge upside for the rest of the season. Ooh, I like it. And by the way, I just looked it up. Richard Higgins, 99.5% available, and he's been already been added 03 so for the guys that have the early waiver wires, he's, he's gotten bumped up from 0.2 to 0.5 on rosters. So I'm sure that will go up after the waiver wire hit again tomorrow. Yeah, um, kind of to God's point. I'm pretty sure I know who God is hinting at. Um, but the only thing I like the ad to keep on your bench to see what happens um, I would think it'd be a good, you know, risk play if you're feeling okay. Um, don't uh, don't get hit by recency bias. They played Cincinnati. Uh, Baker looked great against Cincinnati. Um, rough secondary over there. Um, the only thing that made hurts me is how how or that makes me look on the upside is could that have been Baker's turning point with how well he played? Could that have finally sparked this offense that everybody thought this could be the offense that they, that they needed to take off. So um, I like the ad as a stash player uh, to, to, to give you some more depth, uh, especially in wake of the OBJ injury. I always like to look ahead, especially if you're in a good position. Like I don't think Richard Higgins is not going to save your season in my opinion, but if you're in a good position, Maybe you have a spot available on your bench and you, and you grab a guy like Higgins. Look who the Browns play in most likely your playoffs. Week 15, the Giants. Week 16, the Jets. So, like, I mean, if you're in that position where you're in the semifinals or the finals, are you really going to roll the dice? Maybe. Maybe a Rashard Higgins where the Browns are most likely going to be playing for a playoff spot in their season. Rashard Higgins might have some big games down the stretch for you. So it could be worth an ad if you have that spot. I, I, I still need to see it. I need to see it. He's one of those guys, give me one more week where you're putting up double-digit fantasy points, and then I might be able to have some confidence playing him in a flex, maybe a wide receiver three, maybe wide receiver two on a fantasy team. All right, we're wrapping up this week eight preview of What the Fantasy. One more note that I saw from uh, checking Twitter. It looks like Des Bryant has been signed to the practice squad for the Ravens. That's a guy, he dominated fantasy leagues like five to ten years ago. Hasn't been in the league for a while, suffered that brutal injury when he was, I think, briefly on the Saints, where he tore his Achilles, like practice one. Des Bryant, older guy, the Ravens could use a receiver. Are we, are we taking a flyer on Des Bryant? Well, before Chet, before you answer this, let's do it. Real Mirage, should you add Des Bryant <laughs> to your fantasy football team? No. I'm going to say, say Mirage. Uh, we have a similar situation with Antonio Brown being added. I don't want to steal another Real Mirage. I feel much more confident adding Antonio Brown than I do Des Bryant. How how old are we guessing Des Bryant is? Thirty five, thirty four. 
I'm going 33. 33. Guys, what do you have? I was also going to guess 33. I thought he graduated in like, oh, yeah. I think 33 is right. Ooh, he's only wow, 31. He's only 31. Oh. Wow. But still, I mean, the last year he played football had to be what, 2017? Something like that. I was going to say, I think he graduated high school in 07. I'm like, that doesn't make sense. Then he'd be 31, and then I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> you did the math, and then you're like, no, that, that doesn't make sense. Uh, yeah, I'm going to say no. I just – because that's a passing offense where, I mean, they don't throw it a lot to begin with. And Lamar, in terms of passing, has not looked great this year. So I just don't see a lot of fantasy relevance for that guy. If he had been added, I mean, maybe again to the Saints or, I mean, the Chiefs. I don't know. He's not, it's not a situation where you like the potential. And by the way, yes, his last year was 2017 where he uh, played all 16 games and had one of his, you know, worst years. So, I mean, the last time that guy had a 1,000-yard season was 2014. It's been a while. So I, I don't see it. It's a cool story. I'm glad that he's back, that he's healthy again, and he gets another chance. I mean, he, again, he got signed to the practice squad. So we're not, even, we're not even talking about him cracking the lineup yet in Baltimore. So I don't think he cracks your lineup in fantasy. Agreed. Uh, Chet, Chet stole all my points. So, yeah, Mirage 100%. Three for three, and the only thing I would add is that if your team's really bad and you're in a dynasty or a keeper league and you're just starting to trade players away for future picks and you need someone in your lineup, you're like, uh, Des Bryant for an 18th-round keeper? Yeah, we'll toss him out. That's the only way. If, like, you're already blowing up your season, you need somebody in a lineup. You're hoping and praying might give you a 10-point game in, like, November, December, maybe. Uh, you already mentioned a little Antonio Brown, so let's do this. Real Mirage. Week nine. It's too early to put Antonio Brown in your fantasy football lineups. 2,000% real. I, uh, I'd rather wait and see it. I, I know he came in right away and had that big game when he played for the Patriots against the Dolphins and scored an immediate touchdown. I think this is a different situation where he's going to have to get up to speed. First, he had to pass the COVID protocols. So I, I, I think this is the first week he gets to join the team, uh, if I'm not mistaken. So he's probably at practice this week for Tampa Bay. He gets this full week to prepare. The thing that might help his case is Chris Godwin got hurt again with the, with the, the fractured finger. So he's likely going to miss this week and might return for week nine. Again, I just I want to see it. I want to see him on the field, see how involved he is in the offense. I'd rather be late to the party and have him for week 10 throughout than to throw him in my lineup and him not get a lot of catches. I agree. Real. Do, uh, don't start him that first week that you that he's available. Um, the other thing, too, there's so many weapons on that Seahawks team. You got Lockett now. You got DK. You mean Buccaneers. Wow. I'm just going to sit down now. Well, we can't see you because you don't have a camera on your computer, so I'm assuming you already are sitting down. Yeah, I want to edit that out. <laughs> I mean, there hey, was rumors no. that he was going to Seattle. Right. Yeah. Schefter, Schefter told us he was going to Seattle. All of a sudden, it's like, oh, actually, he's not psyched. How wild was that? I think we guys we talked about that in the podcast last week where it went from – or did we? I don't think we did. I think we taped uh, after the news broke. Right. Or before the news broke. broke. What a wild sequence of – yeah, 6 o'clock. I remember that was at work. At 6 p.m., it was, it looks like he's going to Seattle. And then like 6.15, it was, oh, he's going to visit Tampa Bay. 6.30, they might have a deal in place. By 7 o'clock, he was a Buccaneer. Like it went, I, I had my jaw drop 
four times in an hour where I'm like, holy cow, this is happening. Um, but it's similar situations, especially from a fantasy standpoint where if it was Seattle or now it is Tampa Bay, he's joining a team that already has a lot of fantasy uh, high-powered guys. With Now it's, it's Evans, it's Godwin, Gronk has become a thing. Rojo has played great. Leonard Fournette is still a thing. Like, I, I don't know how much production he's going to have, especially right away. All right, so I'm going to combine my answer with my third one here because here's what's tough about Antonio Brown. Let's say you drafted Antonio Brown, and you're right. You and Kyle, Chet and Kyle both said, all right, don't start until maybe week 10. So that means you play him in the regular season 10, 11, 12, and 13. So that means you only played four weeks in your lineup potentially and maybe even less. So if you told someone in August, hey, you're going to draft somebody who misses this season for three months, you're like, oh, what a terrible pick. I'd never do that. But now Antonio Brown, you don't know what to do. Do you trade him? Do you feel really happy that you got him on your team and you waited for 10 weeks? Maybe not. So that leads to this question. Real Mirage, Antonio Brown, and Viking wide receiver Adam Thielen are the most intriguing fantasy football players for the rest of the regular season. I bring up Thielen because he might get traded maybe from Minnesota. You know what team he's going to land on. You know what? I'll toss a third one. Le'Veon Bell. Pick which one you want. Is it one of those three that's the most intriguing for the rest of the year? Has gone off his phone. <laughs> that was a great. That was a great end to a question. Oh, um, so which one's most intriguing? And if I, you don't like one of those three, you can say Mirage and give me somebody else. I think Thielen. You know, I a guy is breaking some news for me. I didn't hear Thielen was on the trading block. So, I think if Thielen's on the trading block, he's going to go probably to be the number one wide receiver somewhere.s I don't. I can't trust AB right now. I still – I'm not going to trust it. I'm going to stick with my gut on that one. And then Le'Veon, I, I love Le'Veon in Kansas City, but it's still a one-year deal. You don't know what what happens after that. And then what's the what's the uh, CEH uh, ramification? So give me Thielen, especially if he gets traded. I actually really like that. I'm going to go with Antonio Brown because Gaz kind of mentioned it. Do, do you try to trade A.B.? If you held on to him or you just grabbed him on the waiver wire, this might be the highest his value will be is before we see it, right? Because Brady's turned a corner. He's been playing great the last couple of weeks. It's a high-powered offense. Chris Godwin's been hurt for most of the year, and he's going to miss some more time. I think Brady fits better with an Antonio Brown receiver than he does with Mike Evans. And we've already kind of seen that, where Mike Evans is not getting a lot of targets because he's that deep threat guy. I think A.B. could be successful with Brady. I think you could convince someone of pulling a trade early. And I'd be in favor of it. Because like God says, at best, you're looking at having A.B. for weeks 10 through 13, 10 through 14, then you're in your playoffs. You could get someone immediately where it could be a plug-and-play guy for Antonio Brown. So I would say if you have him, if you picked him up, or if you've drafted him, see what's out there. Try to create some trades, find some teams that need some help. Or even, this is one of those trades where you could go for one of the top teams in your league where they're, they have a, a plethora of guys. You might be able to convince them, hey, take a flyer on AB, because for them it might not make or break their season, but for you it could. I'll just add two other guys. I'll say to Le'Veon Bell's points, I'll go real. Le'Veon Bell, because I feel like he's going to tear up the Jets this week, and I think they're going to make it a game plan to let him go off on the Jets. So you might wait one more week on Bell, let him have a huge game, then trade him, because that's about the best you're going to get. Another name, Fanside, is reporting that Julio Jones may be shopped by Atlanta, 
to Baltimore, but I wouldn't trade Julio because I feel like that number can still be really good in Atlanta. Like he can, it's not like he's struggling in Atlanta to put up good fantasy numbers. They throw the ball a ton. Uh, so I wouldn't move on that. Uh, last one here. Real Mirage. Maybe Kyle knew this one. Maybe he didn't. Baker Mayfield is a top 12 fantasy quarterback again, even without Odell Beckham Jr. It's funny. Chet and I actually had some this conversation this Sunday. Not exactly, but I think it, it's real because there is no more pressure to get a, uh, OBJ the ball. And I think you always heard those rumors that, that Baker was trying to get him the ball, that there were so many forced passes to OBJ that it was kind of crazy. Now that there's not that that pressure there, can he spread it out to Hooper, to Landry, Higgins? Kareem Hunt could get more involved in the pass game, which I think we all thought would happen. Then what happens when Nick Chubb comes back? Do you start running more of that two running back sets? You send Kareem out to run a route and as the slot receiver. Who knows? I actually like it. I think Baker has a chance to, to put up some points in these next couple weeks. I'm going to go flip side. I'm still not buying in on Baker as, as a top 12. I put him like at 12. So I guess that means I'm actually agreeing. I do not think, I do not think he's top 10. Top 12, now you're looking at, okay, he, that's where he's going to hover around every week. It's like right outside the top 10 for me. There's just still so many turnovers. And, and that's where I get concerned when it comes to fantasy where he can just absolutely blow up and cause – blow up in the bad way and cost you a game. So that's where I get concerned. Um, how many interceptions – oh, my gosh, my phone is failing me right now. Shows you how many interceptions. Seven. Seven interceptions seven. so far this season. So even in, in the last games. couple games where he's played well, I mean, he's got four – no, five picks in his last three games. He's going to have to play Pittsburgh again. He's going to have to play Baltimore again. Those are defenses that you're worried about. So he's just a fringe guy. If you're streaming quarterbacks, sure. He might – if you have a good matchup, you might feel good about it. He's not a start him and forget about him in your lineup every week. So borderline. I'm in the middle of the real mirage. I can't figure out what it is. Totally. And there you go. Like that's why I said 12 because it's a streaming situation. Do you start him? Do you not sit him? I think that was a perfect answer there of what you do with Mayfield. I'll just point this out. The defenses he has coming up. And to Kyle's point, I agree and disagree with Kyle in one answer. Uh, I like Baker because his matchups are the Raiders, bad defense fantasy-wise, Eagles, uh, Giants, Jets, Jacksonville, Philly. Those are great matchups for Baker. But I don't want to say that the team got better because Odell Beckham Jr. got hurt because I know Giant fan is dying to have that take. Like, it was a good <laughs> trade. We traded Odell even though they have – quadruple the amount of wins of us it was still a good trade we have no offense again to go over 300 yards oh like it was a bad trade and no one wants to admit <laughs> that but like it was a bad trade the knicks got better when they got carmelo and then they got worse when he left it wasn't a bad trade the giants traded odell they got worse the browns got better new york media sometimes doesn't want to give that up like that's what happened uh i don't think it's so much about odell i think it's about baker just having really good matchups all right, one final part of this What the Fantasy podcast. Again, give us a follow at What the underscore fantasy. So last year, I loved stumping you guys with some hard trivia questions. I felt like a genius because I had the answers right in front of me. Um, well, I'm only going to give you one trivia question. First off, before I even – it's going to be multiple choice, so you're welcome. You guys are even going to have the answer said to you. But before I do it, I will give a million dollars – if you guys can get this question right. And guys, I want to see your hands because I know you're at a computer. Yep, no typing, no cheating. Kyle? My, my mic is right next to my keyboard, so you'll hear it if I'm typing. 
All right, I'm going to listen closely. Here, look, so if you look, guys get this you... question right, without me reading multiple choice, I will give you a million dollars that I don't have. <laughs> what is Julio Jones's real name? What? I'm going to guess it's Julian. Okay. I'm, I'm not even going to put a guess up. Okay. Okay. So I get to keep my, my fake million dollars. Yeah. My monopoly it. money. Okay. So now I'm going to read you the multiple choice of what is Julio Jones's real name. Option A, is it Quintoris Lopez Jones? Is it B, Juan Julio Jones? Is it C, Finley Frederick Jones? Or is it D, LaMichael Ricardo Jones? I'm going A or D. I'm, I'm, I was going to go B because I heard Julio was in that one, so I'll just go B. I'm going to go A. Kyle is correct. Complete guess. Complete guess. Don't. Nope. Just. <laughs> His name is Quintoris Lopez <laughs> Jones. What? <laughs> Why would you name yourself Julio? I want to be said Quintoris Jones Quintoris. with a touchdown. How ridiculous is that? How have I never known that? Huh. And I'm going to laugh really hard if, if, if Wikipedia was just messing with me <laughs> and that someone just like typed that in as a joke. But if you go to Wikipedia, his name is Quintoris Lopez Julio Jones. And Julio is just in parentheses. It's not actually in his name. So they, they just Wild. said that's what they call him is, is Julio. I need to find a story of why that is. I meant to look that up beforehand. I'm shocked. I don't even know what to say. I don't know where the nickname. How have we not heard he's in the league for 10 years? And yeah, it's, just, it's always just been Julio. I got to see why. Who exactly? Oh, here you go. 2009. Who exactly is Crimson Tide star Quintoris Jones? <laughs> right, here we go. I'm actually going to have an answer. This is uh, clearly this is a live podcast. Um, here we go. Despite Julio's fame, it's amazing how little that we know about him. For instance, the name everyone knows isn't real. The name Julio go, goes back to his mother. And he figures he's been called that since about seventh grade. It stuck with me, Jones said, smiling about the understatement. It's really no big deal to me. I like Quintoris. It means gladiator. How cool is that? Whoa. Um, where did the nickname come from? Even Jones isn't sure, though he knows it's connected to his middle name. He vaguely remembers his mother telling about a friend who passed away about the time of Jones' birth. He said he gave him the – there's no reason why he's Julio. <laughs> Which is even better. That's great. I'm going to start from now on on this podcast. If we ever talk about the receiver in Atlanta who might get traded, I'm going to refer to him as Quintoris. I might change my fantasy name because I have Quintoris in one of my leagues. So I might put the Gladiators. Might be my new team name. Do it. I led by it. Quintoris Jones. There you go. That is your one trivia question. Kyle somehow got it correct. I like the names I made up, though. I love that Gaz went with Juan Julio. <laughs> I did. I did. <laughs> All right, that's it for What the Fancy Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Best of luck with your upcoming matchups, and we'll be back again next Tuesday. Bye. Bye. And that's a banana. <laughs>